Hey everyone, this is Zach. <laughs> and this is Dio. No, uh, this is Stuart. It's <laughs> it's a surprise because it's usually Richard, but no, it was always me, Dio. Uh, that's that's an anime reference. That you you were the Jojo. vampire mask on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am filling in for for Richard. Um, yeah, because I'm sure it's common knowledge now. But, yes. Uh, uh, Richard is um, producing a a little human. Yeah. Well, I mean, he personally is not producing the. He contributed human. to it. He yeah. contributed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he, he did contribute. But um, as always, we send our congratulations and our love and support, and wish you nothing but the best. But yeah. while he is. Figuring all of that out, it'll be Stuart. Yes, you're stuck with Stuart for a couple of uh, months. We're, no. we're welcoming Stuart. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, you're not trapped in our. Yeah, you're not trapped in here with me. I'm trapped in here with you. Is <laughs> no, uh, no, it was the other way around. <laughs> I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here, trapped with, in here me. with me. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> now that I've wasted a solid uh, minute, minute and a half, half, what are we talking about, Zach? <laughs> we are talking about the 2017 movie Bright and the 2021 strangely follow-up movie that's a prequel called Bright Samurai Soul. <laughs> or, as I'd like to call it, D&D with guns. Yeah. Yeah, it, um... So, so I, I actually I... did not know that the seconds or the prequel um, was actually a thing until you told me. Like, I... I yeah. saw Bright, not in movie theaters, but uh, when, it, when it came out in, like, video. Because it was like right during that um, newer time of like streaming. Yeah, yeah, it it's um that's. I don't think it did that great in the theater, so it kind of did it go to theaters. I think it it did for a little bit. They may have done like a limited run then, because yeah, like Netflix is terrible at advertising its Mm. properties. Yeah. Um, they may have actually put this in theaters for a little bit, but um, I don't know why. They would have because I mean because Will Smith is a fairly big get. Yeah, he is. Um, it's so so. Yeah, I guess we should we should. You want to get into it? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do some some pre production stuff. Okay, so right. this Give me the numbers. So Bright uh, came out that, in uh... twenty seventeen. A mm-hmm. hundred million dollar budget. Oof, that's a lot. That's a lot of money to piss down the toilet, right? Um, because there's I mean, no. But we're not saying it was pissed. <laughs> well, we don't know because Netflix doesn't release numbers, but they didn't release the numbers of the amount of people that watched this movie. Yeah, um, that's never a good sign. Usually, you know, if a movie does well, they will release some of the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were trumpeting their, their, uh, tooting their own horn um, when that. The Adam Sandler Jennifer um, Aniston movie mm-hmm. came out, and they they were yeah. like, "Yeah, if, if this were in theaters, it would have made one hundred and fifty million dollars on opening weekend." And it's like, I saw it, 
it it was good. I don't know if it would have made 150 million dollars on opening yeah. weekend. That I, I feel like most people tuned into that because they have Netflix on their TV and they just clicked a button. They didn't have to like go to the theater. Yeah, and they did um, that with Bird Box. They released numbers and they're like, oh, if this because yeah, did they do a limited run on Bird Box? Was that in theaters? Um, I think it was in L.A. Okay. If I remember my notes correctly, I, yeah. I mean, this is a while ago, but, but I think that they did a limited run in LA, um, mm-hmm. but like this movie, like the, so the Rotten Tomatoes is 28, um, mm. Metacritic is 29. And if anyone doesn't know how Metacritic gets their numbers, um, Meta- Metacritic is just the aggregate. So it's just the average of what people are saying mm. is 29. <laughs> um, Samurai soul came out in 2021. Um, that's it. There's no budget. There's no <laughs> box yeah. office. There's no, there's like literally nothing about the, the sequel, which is I'm fascinating to me you? because it came out four years after the original and is a prequel story. And it, it adds to the world for this. Who was asking for a prequel rights? I got no clue. Okay, so... <laughs> How much money did they spend? Because, I, like I said, I only recently watched it. And yeah. the animation is not good. Oh, so... So I, I'll push back a little on that. The The animation, to me, it, it looks like... Granted, it's that 3D animated stuff yeah. that most people do. I liked it because I could see, to me, it looked like they were trying to get, like, that look for, like, a woodblock print to kind of make it fit with the time. I just, it did not sit well with me. It just, it was, it just looked bad. Yeah. But again, I am a condesseur of yeah, you're, anime, yeah, you're, so, you're, you know, you are, my expectations are, <laughs> are high. You are our resident weeb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so back back to the so David Ayer um, and Will Smith. Uh, this is post Suicide Squad. So, yeah, this is Will um, Smith. I mean, he's not at the height of his career, but he's still a big name. Like, yeah, he's a a get. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's a big get. Um, David Ayer is also a big get. Like his his career was on the upswing until he did Suicide Squad. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because you know I and you can go back earlier in the the show and Richard and I did an episode on it, but yeah, he kind of got different f- opinions on that. Well, he kind of got fucked because yeah. he was he was basically given the job to write the script for suicide squad um in three weeks mm-hmm. which he did because normally there's like a first pass a second pass a third pass and then you know you're getting notes but warner brothers was just like yeah this is good and he's like wait a minute what yeah <laughs> um, and then they did not give him final cut of the movie like basically his he put well, together really more jokey too like we've got to have these like humor parts it can't be all dark and grim and everything along that yeah line. but i mean like he he was given really short time because they were trying to crank them shits out and then they mm-hmm. gave final cut to the marketing team that produced yeah. the trailers and so he didn't even get to cut his own movie so he gets a lot of slack yeah, for yeah. It. yeah. um 
this movie was also written by Max Landis, so I want to say up at the top, um, uh, mm-hmm. you can you can skip this episode if you. Um, we're not going to talk a whole lot about Max Landis because fuck him and his dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can look into the various reasons why, <laughs> um, yeah, but his mean. dad is a legit murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like found guilty just, by a court of manslaughter. Just Google John Landis and Max Landis if you really give a shit. Or you can just take my word for it that they're, they're shitty human beings. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, like, th- th- so this movie was, was just written by him. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I found a whole lot of criticism for this movie for the way it was written, largely because it was... Like so, the story is an attempt. It it jumps around a lot, but it also it like you can tell that it's trying to talk about racism and police. Of course, um, it falls real short of its like the metaphor for it breaks down with like the slightest bit of scrutiny yeah. um because it's like oh okay I I see what you're doing here you're yeah you're using the orc trope yeah and then an orc on the police thing but there's all these other things and then there's other like it like it it just the story falls apart really um and it's it's strange because it's like why if you wanted to write a story about this like yeah why did you use this particular world why did you use this particular trope because he was trying to write about racism in the police and it didn't do a good job do you do you know what the best review that i was able to find for this movie was no (laughs) cracks me up it's my favorite like this is the most positive that i was able to find yeah is lazy but not boring (laughs) Uh, i mean (laughs) um now there's i will say that Netflix sunk there, there a lot of mo- money into this. Like, there, yeah. if you if you go to Netflix, like, and you click into the the extras, like, you usually you can pull up the trailer for it, blah blah blah. Mm. But they have several like high budget music videos they shot. Um, the soundtrack for this this film was mm. released. Um, yeah, it's, it's got yeah, it's got Logic. It's got Rag and Bone Man. It's got Bastille. It's got Machine yeah. Gun Kelly. I mean, it's a lot of just like these house sort of names. And yeah, Migos, Marshmallow, Camilla mm-hmm. Cabello. Um, let's see, ASAP Rocky. Uh, oh, Portugal the Man. I didn't hear their song in that movie. Mm. Huh. Oh well. So yeah, it's interesting because like there's a lot of action that happens on Mm -hmm. in like a lot of the scenes um and sometimes the the soundtrack just kind of gets drowned out by all of the stuff that's going on yeah 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 Um, well and the like i guess to frame what's going on in this movie is basically they and and i was what? I, I mean, mean, it's it's kind of an interesting. It is kind of an interesting world. Like it's it's. This will be the next game that I run. 
I mean, I'm going yeah. to use modern day firearms rules for D and D five. It's, it's Shadowrun ish without the psychics and without uh, because Shadowrun's like the post apocalyptic area, and you know you've got all of these like because it hits on a lot of like the spiritual world because you can be like a shaman, you can do all these other sort of things, and yeah. I think well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, so basically this this world, like the way it was advertised is that there are humans and then elves and then orcs. And elves are the... But there's also like fairies. There's also like other... Well, so I wanted to talk about that because when I saw this movie, I was like, okay, it's it's humans and elves and orcs. And then I'm watching it. And then Will Smith kills a fairy and says fairy lives don't matter today which it's like wow i can tell a white dude wrote this script with yeah yeah um there's also dwarves yeah and i was watching it and i was like holy shit is that a centaur yeah yeah i mean it's it's very there's a whole like world but it's like (laughs) they were like oh we're going to just put all these fantasy races into real world and will likely yeah. touch on magic like only the <laughs> elves really know magic and stuff like that like well you know none of the like police officers know magic uh, all they know uh, is well, like what well so so yeah the, i will say i do like the way they do magic in this um magic is real but people who practice it um are like you can't legally practice it right yeah so they have magic wands that will do big bombastic magic, but if you like, you have oh, yeah. to be able to use it, and that's what the word bright refers to, is that yeah. you have to be a a bright to be able to use the wand. How do you figure out that you're a bright? You you have to hold this wand, and if you cannot use magic, it makes you explode into well, goo. Right, right. Which yeah. is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of the special effects were cool, like a lot of like the spells and yeah. Um, but like with like... the the random fantasy stuff in this, like there there was a long shot of like the skyline of L.A. at night, and there was this outline of just this dragon in the sky, and I was like, yeah. wait a minute, did. <laughs> there's yeah. there's dragons in this world. Yeah, like this is so much more interesting. And then and then they get into the orcs, and the orcs are just so stereotypical. The orcs are offensive stereotype. Like there's so bad. So for like, probably since the the seventies, there has been a, a conversation in tabletop communities about whether or not orcs are racist tropes and stand-ins for black people and it's like yeah i mean it's pretty clear that that's that's where they're rooted i mean you can like there are people that argue that yeah well tolkien when he was describing orcs was describing mongolians and it's like "Mm, Uh. maybe sure that's still not great like that's not a great defense um just like a lot of the like and and so, like, this this movie could have done something smart and gone, like, okay, here's, here's, um... Here's some, like, you know... It, here's like, some so commentary. Like diversity, diversity of... But it was, like, every orc that you met was just, like, a thug. 
like, yeah, like they they could have done interesting commentary and be like, here's like no, here's here's what the trope should look like of mm-hmm. them being like varied and having various backgrounds and blah blah blah. And then it's like, oh no, this is how an upper upper class white kid. This is how they see black communities. This yeah, is, they're just going to a hundred percent be these cliched stereotypes, offensive wrong. stereotypes. Yeah. If you like, because you can sit and kind of turn that off in your head and watch it, but if you're watching it and you've been awake for the past, I don't know, thirty years, you you can't help but watch this and go, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. You, just, you feel a little bad, and you're like, uh, this this makes me kind of uncomfortable yeah yeah it's it's a real uncomfortable movie to watch like there's some cool action scenes um built up around like so for a large portion of the the movie like it's will smith's character i will say from from well actually yeah let me put a pause on that so with with will smith acting in this role it's the first time I've seen him in a movie where he's like thoroughly unlikable. Yeah. Like for the majority of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so this ex- expands his um acting oeuvre, I guess. Like if he wanted to play a villain, I mean he's not a villain, he's not literally the villain, but he's he's no. he's a but guy he's who is paired cop. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's paired up with the first orc police officer. And mm. he doesn't like it, and he like makes it very clear to him constantly how little he likes him. And it's like, really, man, like you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um like so we're going this route eh? we're going this route okay cool i guess um but but, so the orc at some point before the movie started uh will smith is coming back on the force after having been put on medical leave because he Mm -hmm. got shot because the orc was getting them lunch and an orc shot will smith so yeah there's a whole lot of like yeah well you know they all work together type stuff and like yeah it's his fault you got shot and like at least he doesn't like listen to any of that but still it's like i don't know the fact that people are saying it is real real weird (laughs) um and there's uh the elves which are stand-ins for rich white people um yeah yeah like yeah, they they've taken over the like fashion and jewel di- jewelry districts mm-hmm. uh, or diamond districts. They're like the influencers. Um, yeah, and the uh, you know the whole movie kind of turns on their the uh, Will Smith and Joel Edgerton who is playing the orc respond to a call um, and walk into to... a crime scene they get betrayed because they they find out there's there's this wand there and wands are the things that channel magic you you can't you yeah, can't cast magic equivalent to nukes i think they use that kind yeah, of yeah um, he he uses that language. comparison um yeah. they're super rare um i i so part of me does like the setting of it in that they they set it up so that it's like modern day as if our past were middle earth so like mm-hmm. there's this underground group uh called the inferni that are trying to raise the dark lord right mm-hmm. 
you even see him graffitied on the side of buildings and stuff. Yeah. Which is right. kind of a cool reminder of like the eye of Sauron, right? Yeah. Of, like just yeah. having this this graffiti throughout. I, mean, I, I enjoyed the world. Like, you know, it was Yeah, the world was interesting. Like, <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's just like these tropes and like again, you know, the elf that they have to save is this like a dainty uh lady elf who's like a very much a like oh i don't know how to use magic sort of like a damsel in distress and everything along those lines yeah which, yeah again, but i mean just... a, a lot of it becomes them trying to just stay alive which i i yeah. kind of i kind of like that escape from new york feel mm-hmm. again though the story is is i don't know it's it's it kind of a jumble and kind of a mess. The world has way more interesting stories that I'd rather see. Like I yeah. would rather see like the fog teeth orcs, like that guy who started in Miami and then came back. Yeah. Or, you know, I would love to see like, it's just uh, somebody running like a business or something along those yeah. lines, you know, just the everyday life of just somebody in the city, given that like, it was a um it's inhabited by all these particular creatures all these fantasy creatures yeah yeah and you know it's interesting because unlike D, when you have a society like that you just can't be murder hobos so there are like consequences to your actions oh sure sure which i think is kind of interesting you know um, having like some sort of like government and rules and regulations where you just can't be like, all right, time to, you know, kill this dragon where it's like, well, the dragon's actually under like certain protections and laws and things along those lines. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it it sucks that this movie never really goes into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> like it just... Really- it's it's assault on precinct 13 but on the run um and then there's With some D&D racist flavor. stuff mm. in there yeah it's it's real weird um i did find D&D here flavor. uh I, let me walk back what i said originally uh so apparently netflix did announce that this film had been viewed more times in its first week than any of its other releases at the time of its release uh-huh. 11 million viewers streamed bright within the first three days of release with 56% of the audience being male and 7 million being between 18 to 49. Okay. But is that a full viewing or is that like watch the first five or 10 minutes? And then yeah. And then been like, mm, this isn't really my thing. Yeah. Um, so is they, like, who is this movie for? Like, is it for the hardcore D and D player? No, (laughs) I can't say that it is. Um, You know, honestly, the thing that I would like to have seen with this movie was done by a movie and miniseries um, 30 years ago called Alien Nation. Have you ever seen Alien Nation? I have not. So it's another one of these like cop shows, like procedural shows. I think it was a movie. Yeah, it was a movie from 1988 um 
and there was a there was a mini series uh and then a series of of television movies that followed the characters um but basically it it's set in the near future of 1991 (laughs) um and so a flying saucer crashes into the desert and the I know they're called newcomers in the show. I forget what the name of the races are, um, but they they are basically people that were escaping from slavery, mm. and they integrate into human society. Like they look like humans, but they they have these weird like cheetah spots on their head, and they've they, they're like mainly hairless on their head. Yeah. Um, and oh yeah, the other thing is that the the guys are the ones that deliver babies. Ah, so males deliver babies um and yeah like it's the story of a a newcomer the the head of a a newcomer household um kind of taking the danny glover role from uh, lethal weapon Mm -hmm. um uh being partnered up with a human who takes the mel gibson role from lethal weapon and they kind of like uh, intermingle in the family and shows them like bonding and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and so like of, that's much more interesting than what this movie did. Like yeah. it could have done that, but it chose not to. <laughs> yeah. Because you never see, like you see Will Smith's family, like yeah. at the very brief beginning, but you never interact with um, the orcs family or anything. Like nope. all you know is he is a, a cop, trying to prove that not all orcs are bad. Yeah. And that's it. And then he gets, uh, he basically gets stereotyped to heck. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's funny. They, um, like I I was looking and apparently, uh, there was supposed to be a sequel to this, like a live action sequel. Um, with everyone coming back and instead of Max Landis, uh, a, a different screenwriter, mm-hmm. um, they were going to start shooting in 2020. It looks like, um, which COVID stopped that. Yeah. Um, and then in April of 2022, Netflix scrapped the film. They claim it had nothing to do with Will Smith's Oscars incident where he slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. Yeah. Um, I a hundred percent had everything to do with him slapping. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but because. you know, like I, where, whether you fall on what side of that or not, like, it, I don't know, this movie could have been so much better. Like it was it advertised. Have. It was advertised in a way that I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. That's kind of interesting. I um, would be curious to sort of learn more about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, but speaking of something that was actually uh, better than it had any right to be, uh, let's shift over to Samurai Soul. Unless okay. you have anything you want to say about Bright left. No. no? Really. Okay, you're done. You're done. I um, mean, you know, it was it was a movie. Yeah. It was definitely a movie. I, I think there's better pieces of media that try to do what they could not. Um, you know, you, you've even mentioned a couple ones in like, um, I just, I don't feel like adding that, uh, I guess fantasy, um, skin basically 
Yeah. And it was more just for like more just for the sake of having it. Um, there's a lot more movies that tackle these subjects. Um, racism, uh, dealing with uh, cops, um, action that this movie just doesn't really deliver. Yeah. 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 I mean, what, what, what would you like consider? Like, do you, would you watch this movie again? Mm, not really. Yeah. No, I, I, this, that movie is not rewatchable in the slide. And it, it's amazing that they could, they can waste two hours like that because it's like, long. again, to kind of, pivot into samurai soul samurai mm -hmm. soul was 80 minutes and it yeah. was infinitely i in my opinion more enjoyable than the yeah. live action one i, I, um, just, I would I, actually I wonder... watch the the anime one again <laughs> oh really I yeah mean... I, would, I would watch it again at some point sure like it's I... not offensive to me it's not it's not um they take a lot of that stuff out yeah but it's just yeah i don't know if it adds anything like i watched it and i was just like oh okay i i care nothing about these characters like yeah i wish that they i honestly i wish this was given the two-hour budget because yeah. they could have worked some more backstory to make the orc a little bit more like i'm terrible with names so the orc um i forget his name i forget um, his name too because he was so unmemorable yeah, like they could have gone into his backstory some. Like he's just looking for this elf girl um, because he's been told to. Uh. And like, <laughs> I'm not sure why they added the the like Japanese aesthetic to it. Like, what did that have to add to the story? Besides, like, oh, samurais uh, are cool. Well, so they did, they, they gave this to, um, uh, let me look up the name of the person. So like Netflix, it's only anime because of who they gave it to. Um, oh, I is, did not see uh, who directed oh, it or... Yeah, Kyohei Ishiguro, mm. which he did, um, words bubble up like soda pop. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's, it, it's a slice of life, um. Oh, romantic anime. comedy anime hmm. um yeah so like really he's... got into the whole like slice of life sort of i don't anime. either i find it boring to be honest um yeah i'm um definitely the show or uh yeah shoujin shonen shonen yeah yeah type of uh watcher yeah like i mean this like this was anime because they gave it to an anime studio uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that was like a hundred percent like the person who wrote it wrote let's see michiko yokote um so she wrote uh pot labor rama one half raroni kenshin oh okay cowboy bebop hey that's some big names right there yeah, like she uh Mononoke uh she collaborated on. Um oh, wow. hmm. Yeah, so she's a a legit like screenwriter to mm -hmm. to use in this form. So I can I can see them going with that like Raruni Kenshin thing. It's also interesting to me to see 
like because the first one was set up against the backdrop of uh, racism in in New York. the police in L.A. Um, oh, L.A. Yes, Google LASD gangs. Um, <laughs> the, there's, I, 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 one, I don't think that was a good analogy or or, or uh, anything no. for yeah. for the story that they were trying to tell. But two, if they're going to tell a story in this world. Yeah, it's real interesting to see how it affects the Meiji Restoration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, like, I'm interested in the story, but I'm not interested in, like... Yeah. Know, yeah, they haven't, like, built any of these characters. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I honestly wish the anime was longer. Um, the, the very end of this has... When, when they, they do that raid on the boat and mm-hmm. um yeah that's cool uh what is his name tomoku the the crime lord that the orc was originally oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah fighting for raiden raiden, raiden is raiden. the name mm-hmm. of the raiden raiden i forget raiden, I, raiden. I know it's yeah but um he <laughs> so he loses his hand in the beginning <laughs> of this yeah. movie and when he comes back, he's been bonded with an octopus. And so he's got these tentacles. And so when, when he's fighting him, he the orc just has this giant war club. Yeah. Which I don't, Do you know the name of that weapon he was using? Uh, I, I it's, a, it's a club that's taller than him and has these razor sharp blades on either side. Yeah. Of it. I mean, <laughs> it's I, really I, cool. I think it's a legit like weapon. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's fighting this guy, and because it's Meiji Restoration time period, they do have gunpowder weapons. Yeah. Um, and so you have this guy with a with a tentacle hand who has like four or five rifles just strapped to his back, yeah. and these random tentacles floating around. Like this would have been a great video game. It would um, have been. It would have been fun. Uh, I will say one thing that I don't like in this is that they they in that fight scene they have Raiden lose his leg and get shot in the head mm-hmm. um and then they never really explain why he's back alive and has a new leg at the end i mean yeah. i'm assuming it's magic bullshit like oh they used the wand on him um because yeah. like, we see that that the girl sonia um uh resurrects izu like we mm-hmm. see him get resurrected, so like I guess we can just kind of infer that. Oh yeah, they just brought him back to life because yeah, you can do so, that with a wand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and it, it kind of takes some of the um, uh, the seriousness, like the uh, the tension, as you can know that these people can just be resurrected. Um. I just, I don't know. I, I wanted to like this movie. I really did, but I just, I didn't really get behind it. Yeah. Like you know, I watched it, and really, it could have been like any particular, I guess, IP getting this treatment. But it happened to be bright, and it's like I don't think that like bright 
is right for this particular like story. Like it would have been interesting, like finding out a little bit more about like I don't know a particular like D and D session or a another particular IP, but like yeah, I don't know who is asking for this prequel. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, so, like I said before, this is way more entertaining to me than the live action one. (laughs) But, but like you said, who who was? It could have been like any other particular IP. Yeah, it could have been like me and you or something. No. Yeah, like who? I want to know who was. Like you said, who was asking for this to be the story told? Yeah. It was like, I need to follow up on these bright characters. Please tell me what has happened. It's like, no, I I could care less about any of these characters. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate because, like, there are some really cool action scenes. The animations, eh. I mean, it's not bad. It doesn't hurt my eyes, but... Yeah. It's not to your like, because I I like it. I know a lot of people don't like the three D animation, three D CG. Yeah, it's, um, it's just hard. It gets into that weird like uncanny valley sort of deal. Right. Yeah. So I I think that one's kind of it. De- it depends on how forgiving you are for for that type of animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The story in this is all right. It's I mean, it's decent. it's it's, it's decent. Good, yeah. It's like, better again, than the. But I don't know. It could be applied to anything. Really, you could put like an orc. You could do a um, Adventure Time. You could throw in a couple of um, characters from the um, Adventure Time or um, the Adventure Zone or Critical Role or anything, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't think Bright. The IP. I, I don't know. Contributing who, anything to this. Yeah, I don't know who was asking for this to be. Um, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. it could have been its own thing. Like, take Bright's name off of it, and it would have been like, okay, you don't well, lose also, anything. Like, I need don't to lose anything. I need to also say that, like, I know a pandemic happened, but. So you have Bright in 2017. Mm-hmm. And say say it was this like world-class phenomenon and everyone no one could stop talking about that movie, right? I mean, which it, it, no one talked about that movie. But... Right. But like say for example that it did. Why why would you come out with this 4 years later? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it takes four years to make the animation in this. And also it's only 80 minutes. So like, yeah. why four years? Why were you sitting on this for four years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, they had really, they had the story probably in the can. They probably had the directors lined up to do something. And they were like, oh, Right IP. Well, we really haven't done anything with that. Let's let's just slap that name on this particular story. And yeah, exactly. See if it brings the bright fans in. The like five bright fans that are out there. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. So I I yeah I, I don't know who this is this is for. Um, I enjoyed it. 
um, our, well, okay, our, yeah, our yeah, resident it, anime expert did not. So I mean, um, it, it is better than the original movie. So, <laughs> so here's here's my grade. So the the original movie is probably a a solid D minus for me. And the reason it's not an F is because the world is interesting, and that's about it. Yeah, I, I would like to run a game in that world, but I would change all of the, uh, you know, the characters, the social ladders, everything else. I mean, you could you could just use D and D. You could use the races from the player's handbook. Yeah, restrict it, spell casting classes, and then integrate the modern day yeah like go to the dungeon master's guide and then just use the rules for the modern guns yeah. <laughs> um, um, you can do it yeah. i might do it when i run a game next <laughs> you running the game i'll see it when i or i'll believe it when i see it <laughs> i keep on hearing about this one game you're going to run that never happened. Yeah, it has never happened. I know. I know. I keep talking I shit, to it. and I don't I have it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, Zach's doing the game? Fantastic. And then, yeah, then shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit happened? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I gotta give you some grief. Um, but the, the prequel, I mean, you can tell that there was work put into the prequel. You can tell yeah. that, you know, the the story was there. Um, I'm not a big fan of the animation, but that doesn't mean that it was bad. It just wasn't for me. I think it hits that kind of uncanny valley for me. But, you know, I think other people might enjoy it. Um, it definitely has a better cohesive story. It's just, I don't think it being set in the right universe really does anything for it doesn't really I, do I, it any uh, favors <laughs> it's funny you're laughing because i gave like uh, when i said the bright universes i know we're not recording but like i gave the quotation signs i was like the bright universe and then i looked at myself i was like who am i doing this for am i doing this? who did you quote yourself for <laughs> the bright universe <laughs> the bright universe <laughs> hashtag bright universe um yeah it, it i i don't think that it being set in this bright universe really contributed anything. Yeah. Um, I think it was mainly just an IP that Netflix had sitting around and they were like, let's just slap this on here and uh, call it a day. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Um, but so I would probably give it a C. It was... Yeah. entertaining but it's not anything i'm going to go back to i'm not going I'd, to be like I'd stand up for that yeah like a c yeah, yeah. that's for the the sequel yeah or Wait, the, do you get the um the first one uh, the first one um yeah. i mean it's real hard to fail as hard as that one <laughs> I Are you giving it an F? F, yeah all right all right yeah it's it's not one that i'm going to rewatch yeah um, I mean, why would you go Samurai back to Samurai Soul is at least something that I, if, if it were on in someone else's place, I would be like, oh yeah, we can sit and watch this or whatever. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, I mean, you know, I'm going to get 
I don't remember what's happened in this movie or anything because it's ultimately forgettable, but it's at least competently put together. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like somebody like sat down and goes, oh, I should, um, you know, set this because the character has this motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, with that, um, do you want to, let's, let's talk about Mimi Me's. All right. Me, me, me. <laughs> Do you want to start or did you want me to? I got sure. I'll, I'll start off. Okay. I'll, I'll start. I got three. Okay. Got? I got. Let's see. One, two, three, four. I got five. Okay. Well, my first one's going to be a bit of a longer one. So okay. I finally bit the bullet. I dived in deep, and I am playing Elden Ring. Oh and, no! Yeah. <laughs> got the, you. The latest. The latest from um, um, so- FirmSoft. Um, yeah, FromSoft. From, yeah, yeah. Um, the newest entrance in their Souls-like game. So, for the viewers out there, the viewers, the listeners, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's that Twitch talk right there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Is I have never played a Souls-like game. The only, and I'm not sure if this even counts as Souls-like. I played Bloodborne when it was on the um, PS4. Four. Um, Yeah, it was a launch title. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. And, you know, I had watched people stream a little bit of Elden Ring. I wanted to keep a lot of the uh, lore and boss fights uh, a mystery. Because I did eventually want to start up my own game and everything along those lines. So I finally bit the bullet and I decided to purchase the game and dive in fairly deep. I'm about seven hours in. Okay. Which um, is not, I guess it's the tip of the iceberg. A lot of people who played this game have spent, I don't know, like hundreds of hours in this game. Um, hundreds you, of hours? Really? Yeah, you can... I mean, the thing is, the game is an open world. So it does oh. allow you to explore. It does give you that option if you want to do... If you want to go straight up to the boss, you can go straight up to that boss and fight it. And so the thing is, I haven't played a lot of Demon Souls or um, Souls like games. So I'm not super familiar with like a lot of the patterns of basically timing, attacks, rolling, making sure that I'm behind an enemy and attacking. So there is definitely a learning curve that I'm slowly getting um i did end up for some strange luck i ended up i i was i thought i was exploring um i thought i was going around but i stumbled on to the first main boss fairly early <laughs> i i rolled up to that boss i was like oh okay we're, we're, we're here we're going to do this great i i'm ready i was not ready I was not ready at all. <laughs> like, I was fighting that boss, and I was doing a measly amount of damage. And I was like, this can't be right. Like, this um, 
And I, I ended up doing like a Google search and I was like, what level should you be before you fight the first boss? And it's like, oh, you should probably be around like level 25. I was like, okay, I'm level seven. So clearly <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here as a new player. Like I could understand a veteran of, of Dark Souls or Souls-likes games being like, oh, you know, I can beat this boss with just like a stick and no armor. Because I'm just that good being able to like dodge things and roll and time attacks and stuff like that. As somebody who's new, I was like, I I don't know exactly what I'm doing here. Like I'm fucking up and yeah. So I ended up um, exploring a lot of different areas and I'm glad that I've taken that time. I've stumbled onto like a... um, I guess a weird uh, quest line that I wasn't really expecting. Oh. Yeah, of, um, of a particular monkey. So it's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. And it's really cool just kind of exploring, like just having that option to like move around and see what's out there. And they give you your speed which allows you to like quickly traverse the um, train. And it's been a lot of fun. It's just been a lot of fun exploring. Um, I didn't think I would have that much fun just kind of like wandering around, yeah. but it's, it's cool. And then like I ended up hitting an ogre, like this giant massive ogre who's like stand 10 times higher than me. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I really have to, I'm assuming that this is like a mini boss. I'm going to fight this ogre and this ogre is going to give me something cool. And like the ogre kept on kicking my ass <laughs> and I slowly like learned the ogre's pattern. I was like, oh, I can dodge this. I know that the ogre like swipes three times and then that gives me an opportunity to roll and like kill it and everything along those lines. So I spent like probably 30 minutes dying, respawning, trying to fight this ogre. And then when I finally killed it, it didn't give me anything. Oh, it was just a regular that's... thing. Which, you know, it, it kind of like, I was like, crap, like, I spent all this time, but, but, I ended up getting, and like, stumbling upon a mine. And in that mine, the main boss ended up being like a super ogre and i was like okay this ogre acts a lot like the ogre that i fought so i was able to because i had learned all the patterns from the one particular ogre that was actually in front of the the cave i was able to defeat this boss ogre and i was like that is good gameplay like are a good like game design like they teach you how to fight ogres at the beginning of this this cave and you know you slowly learn how to fight this ogre you can pass this ogre you can run past it and be like fuck you ogre i'm getting into this cave but i was like oh this ogre might give me something cool (laughs) but like at the very end i was like oh i learned how to fight this ogre because 
I spent the time to battle with the one outside of there, and it didn't give me any trouble because I was able to actually learn from that experience. I was like, that's good. That's good game design. Like, you teach how to, like, deal with a particular monster at the beginning, and then at the end, you're like, okay, I have the necessary tools and experience to uh, properly handle this. <laughs> so I've been, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun exploring. I've had a really good time just playing this game, and I can definitely see how people can dive into it. My My only, I guess, biggest thing is I'm worried about optimization because I'm very much a a min maxer. So <laughs> I, I worry about like putting stats into particular because you have your like standard like stamina, vitality, strength, dexterity, and things along those lines, and those limit you on what weapons you can use. Hmm. Like you have to have a prerequisite of like Oh, you have to have like a high enough strength to use this particular weapon if you yeah. want to use it. So I've again been trying to keep myself very much, um, I guess, in the dark with playing this game because I like kind of being surprised. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's been hard not to try to like just take a look and be like. Am I am I properly like leveling up the right stats for the particular weapon that I want to use? Right now, I'm using um, I chose the like kind of a uh, rogue like class, so I had a very high dex. So yeah. I'm using um, a dual swords. Um, I'm using a, a rapier and the starting like hunter's uh, knife. And it, the combat's really complex, too, because, like, you can have dual weapons, you can have a single weapon and a shield, you can um, double hand a weapon, and it changes the way that you attack. Like, your attack chain, as well as, like, huh. how much damage you do. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's been a lot of uh, fun. So, See, I look forward I... to uh, diving even deeper into it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, mm -hmm. I I kind of enjoyed Bloodborne. Um, okay. Yeah. Did so, not really like Neo. Um, oh, I never played Neo. And I really do not like Dark Souls. Um, it makes me angry, and I don't play games to have to be angry. Yeah, so I will say the first time I lost all of my souls, my experience... Yeah, I was like, fuck. Like, it is not a good feeling. It, it just, like, it hits you in the stomach, and you're just like, do I want to continue playing this game? Like, yeah, I just like... lost all of my progress. And that is some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, you know, I had determination, just like uh, in um, Undertales. And I continued <laughs> to move further. Yes, Undertales. A, uh, a reference for all of you fine <laughs> folks out there. But, um, but this no, game I... is, is the genocide run all the time, though. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually kind of funny. Like, 
I because I have a high dex, I usually sneak up my my big um and I wanted to try a different gameplay than I normally do. Normally I'm either spell casting or like just guns blazing sort of style. But yeah. I chose sort of the sneaky dex character. So I'm sneaking a lot in the grass where I can do like Yeah, so there's the ability if no one notices you, you can do like a backstab sort of thing and deal massive damage. And usually I can one shot people by doing that. Um, but I never know like, is this person an NPC? Should I not kill this person? <laughs> so so there is that time of like, oh, this person's by themselves next to a fire. They're probably nice and like a vendor that I can buy stuff. Versus somebody who's like fully cladded in armor, walking with like three other people with spears. I'm like, ah, that's probably a character that I can defeat. But yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've had a really good time and I'm looking forward to continuing playing this game. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if I dedicate so much time to it or my entire life <laughs> if i if i joined the cult of, of um, elden ring um i guess i have like seen some forums that say that like this is the easiest of the entry into dark souls like there is a bit of handhelding really i've heard that um bloodborne is is the so easiest. yeah a lot of people will either so bloodborne rewards you for being aggressive mm. um they have a mechanic where if you get injured you have a couple of seconds if you deal damage you can actually soak up that blood to heal you mm. so it it rewards you for being aggressive and i kind of came into this game like oh i'm i'm going to be aggressive <clears throat> the yeah. first boss taught me like nah you gotta be patient you gotta <laughs> be like you gotta learn my my movements you've gotta be because that was one of the things was i was kind of spamming roll and if you roll you do get like a couple of seconds of um invincibility frames so you can roll through somebody's sweep and you won't get hit Okay. But if you're spamming roll, if you're rolling, then hitting roll again, um, you have, you basically take a couple of seconds to like get into your next roll mm -hmm. and you have this vulnerability where you are going to get fucked. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it's very interesting. It's, I'm, I'm enjoying it as a, a, um, first person to like enter into this whole like genre and um i'm looking forward to developing my character and creating a sneaky ninja that stabs people in the back <laughs> yeah. and, and defeating the first boss um i again since i knew that i was under level when i was fighting that boss yeah. i've taken the time now to explore around the the first or starting level and i'm kind of glad that i i've had that opportunity because i feel like i would have missed a lot if i just kind of like tried to brute force my way through that boss huh okay yeah. yeah so 
So, uh, Elden Ring. So far, it's been great. Let's see how I feel next time we record. I might be like, fuck that game. That game's bullshit. I'm playing Kirby's World now. Kirby's I'm back World. Animal Crossing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, well, um, so yeah, one of the things that I did was I finished a comic or a manga um, called Sensor from Junji Ito. Uh, cool. Have you read any of Junji Ito's stuff? I have not. Yeah, you're you're not a big horror fan, so that, I, that's I not surprising. Not. I just thought maybe maybe you had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very gross. Um, it is. Uh, it, for people that are unaware, Junji Ito um, has also created. Uh, I think Uzumaki is probably his um, mm-hmm. most well known mm-hmm. of, of the uh, the the horror manga that that he creates. Um, he has a very weird, like it's it's almost Lovecraftian the type of horror that he does. Like it's usually big and cosmic. Interesting. Um, I think uh, I maybe have seen some screenshots or yeah, like spirals. Panels. Spirals, I think, is is Spot. usually what that's translated to. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, with like yeah. the sunken like eyes that are kind of spiraling. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and seen, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I think I've seen a couple of their panels. Like I, I don't, I haven't read anything, but right. I, yeah, being on the internet, I think I've. Um... Yeah, you've if, if you're on the internet in in anime circles in the slightest, you you have probably seen gifts from mm-hmm. from Uzumaki at least. Yeah. Um, but no, Sensor um, is about a girl that goes hiking and comes across a town that has this legend about hair falling mm. out of the sky, this g- bright golden hair. Um, and I don't want to tell you how it ends. I know that while he was, I was reading in the afterward that when he was writing it, it the issues all came out over the course of a year. Yeah. Um, and he just kind he didn't have a specific idea for the ending. He just pieced the story together as he went. Just, yeah. And it, it ended up in this very weird place. Cause you know, he does the, the art and the, uh, the, the writing. And so it's like, huh? This is not how I ex- like when you get to the like fifth or sixth volume of it. It's like I I did not expect did not to see this yeah. that way. Um, this is very gross because it involves hair. Um, Interesting, yeah. Coming out of people in places that it should not be, um, like through your eye. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, real hair gross. Is pretty much everywhere. It's it's um yeah no it's real gross it's we're basically it's apes. fun it's it's a it is a horror it's it's mm. the probably the most Lovecraftian of his things um, okay. because it deals with the um, concept of uh, do you know what the Akashic record is no. Um, so the Akashic record is a thing that he references. It's, um, uh, how do I, so it's, it's this, um, philosophical, um, concept, Mm -hmm. right. Of, um, there being a, a compendium 
um, somewhere, some universal compendium. It's a collection of all universal events, thoughts, words, Interesting. Um, anything that has happened mm-hmm. ever in the past, present, and future existing simultaneously. So it's it's basically like a universal record but yeah like he that stuff in at the end and it's it's really wild stuff so if you like like sci-fi horror manga um i do recommend it um if you don't it's not very horrific it's just kind of gross it's how um, how many volumes are there uh well so there's just one volume um but it was published over the course of um a year okay so it's so this like probably is probably like six issues, but yeah, it's all in one volume in America. I um I checked it out for my local library. Um, oh cool! Oh wow! Because That's my great. I don't know which system you're on, but in Georgia, there's you can either have be part of a specific um, city's library, mm-hmm. um, or you can be part of the Pines program, <laughs> which is like everything. I forget what is what, what does it stand for? Uh, Pines Library System. Let's see. Yeah, it's the Public Information Network for Electronic Services. It's the Statewide Library Consortium. Nice. Um, so you in Georgia digitally, right? Oh no, I like I physically went in Are to the library in? and they hmm. like they had a physical copy there. Um they do digital checkouts, but it's funny, I'm used to the the city that I, I was living in, the library there had a limit on like no more than like five I think it was five books and like three um, like movies or audio books or, or whatever. Yeah. And when I was here, uh, since we've moved and I'm, I'm in a different library system that's actually statewide and not just a city. Um, I was apologizing to a guy. I was like, yeah, no, I need to renew it. I'll, I'll have this one back in. Um, I was just talking about the limits because I wasn't sure about the limits. And I was like, so how many how many things can I have out at once? Is it like five or, or, or so? And he just kind of looked at me like I was dumb. And he's like, yeah. no, you can have up to 50 out of anything. I was like, 50? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I can nice. have 50 things out? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, go out to your local libraries. Um, they are amazing places. Um, yeah. Where you yeah. Weird. Like I, why, why would some place in Georgia have, a copy of censor by Junji Ito. Yeah, on his some librarian was probably like, this is fucking awesome. We need to add this to, uh, yeah. to our records. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I highly recommend this one. Um, again, even if you don't like horror, like you might like it because it's, it verges more into sci-fi mm-hmm. than, than horror. It's, it's like Lovecraft though. So yeah, it's that type of cosmic horror. That's just kind of like, I don't know. It always scratches my the 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 spot in my brain. That's just like, yeah, everything is just kind of small and doesn't matter, huh? Yeah. <laughs> on the, on a long enough timeline, nothing matters. <laughs> there are multiple gods in Lovecraftian. Um, lore, oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's. Um, I've never really fully. Guess, well, you know like, what's funny is a lot of the stuff from Lovecraft is mm-hmm. um, was elaborated up on after he died. Interesting, yeah, because um, Lovecraft was a, a horrible person. Oh yeah, no, he's he's yeah. um, terrible. Should be yeah. forgotten. 
Yeah. <laughs> but the world that he's built is very interesting. Yeah, he, so so there's Azathoth, Nihal Arthotep, Yogg-Sothoth, uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, Cthulhu's always the big one. But I remember that there were other, like, insane gods. Yeah, there's, like, I'm looking at the fandom site for it, oh, and there's, okay. there's like, 40 or oh, 50 gosh. of them. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, because Lovecraft was the person he was, they're all basically stand-ins for immigrants. Yeah. (laughs) He's a terrible person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, Junji Ito is not... uh, This work is amazing. And, yeah, I kind of want to see if I can interlibrary loan, like, Uzumaki, because it's it's been a minute since I've read that. Cool, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. I mean, free... Free's always great for me. Yeah, exactly. Some manga. Yeah, but oh. they do have... If, if your library near you is part of the Pines program, they do mm-hmm. have digital lending. So you just, like, download an app and... Yeah. That put it to your fantastic. Phone. Yeah. 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 Sweet. What's your next thing? So my next thing is another game... Um, this one I've been playing more with friends than anything else because I think it lends itself in that kind of genre where you would want to be playing with friends than playing by yourself. Um, sure. I'm playing the new Borderlands game, the new one. It's um oh the Tiny Tina's yeah the D and D one, the D and D one because everyone was like, "You play D and D, Stuart. You'll love this game," and it's decent. I, I will say Wait, that it's a separate game or is the DLC from Borderlands 2? No, it's a separate game. It's it's a it's a it's a sixty dollar game where, you know, uh, it's it got a story. It's definitely got a a story of something. Do I know the story? Uh, not really. Especially I don't think since, it matters if it's like the DLC. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you play with friends. You kind of blaze through the story because you're just trying to reach one checkpoint to another. Sure. Um, it's got all the... So, it's got all of the Borderlands tropes where there's a gajillion guns that do all sorts of wacky things, which is fun. Um, the only thing that kind of this game changes versus the other game is you can pick two classes so you can dual class Hmm. so it gives you a little bit more variety in your character because normally in borderlands you could only pick sort of like one class like the siren or the gunzerker or the brute or something along those lines um with this one you can pick multiple like two classes and you can try to like synergize between the class depending on like what skills you want to focus on. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. And then they don't have grenades because usually there was a, a grenade slot that you can modify in Borderlands. And they don't have that. They have spells that do different things. Like you can summon up some Hydra heads that shoot at your enemies, or you can shoot a couple of like freezing blasts 
or you can summon a meteorite to come and crush your enemies. Hmm. Things along those lines. So that kind of turns it on its head. But the biggest, I guess, gripe for me is they have this mechanic where they have an overworld, and then in the overworld, you basically get into random battles, which happen to be in like these sort of arenas. And in Borderlands, it was more of like you were constantly in that world. You were moving around in that world. There wasn't that overview world. Yeah. You know, you could go into the world and you would get a fight and you would fight. In this overworld, it's sort of like a Pokemon thing where like you're walking around and then some bad guys happen to jump out of a bush and attack you. And then it takes you into this like arena where you are now fighting these bad guys. And it just, it, it feels like it skimps out on the exploration, especially playing Elden Ring where like everything's open. Like it doesn't happen where you like walk into a particular area and then there's a loading screen and now mm -hmm. you're in a, you know, arena where you're fighting somebody. It, it, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen. And it just, it's I feel like it's one of the more weaker entries in the um Borderlands. I'm I'm having a fun time playing with friends, but sure. if I was playing by myself, I don't think I would enjoy it. Hmm. I think I would be quite upset that I spent sixty dollars on a game that I'm not enjoying. Oh. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> because it's, it's a full price game and everything along those lines. But, you know, since I'm playing with friends, it's a little bit nicer just because it's more of a social sort of game. And again, the, the game tries to, like, push heavy on, like, the role-playing aspect. But it, it doesn't... I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it hits the right... Yeah. Well, like, I'm looking on how long to beat, and they're charging $60 for a 15-hour game? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, there's a like, lot of just, like, grinding. Completionist mode is 40. Pardon? Completionist mode is, apparently is 40. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's that's just, still... Yeah, it, it really felt like it could have been DLC. It really felt like it, it could have been DLC, because it doesn't feel like they put that much effort into this game. I, I, I'm i sorry, but, like, the yeah. overworld is not the way to go for Borderlands. Yeah. Because, again, if the overworld is very akin to Pokemon, where you're just kind of walking through, then you get those random battles in the tall grass, and then it takes you to a, you know, a fight or a, a arena where you just end up fighting things. And yeah. the... the the characters aren't really, like, the enemies aren't really varied. The guns are cool, but, like, Borderlands always had cool get guns. Yeah. That does wacky things. It's like, the only new innovation seems to be the spells, the, you know, modified grenades. But, like, 
That does not, seem like an interesting change, but is, I don't know it, if that's, that's it, like. I, but I don't think it's worth fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, and then do, being able to dual class—that's cool. But like yeah. again, don't think it's worth fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you know, I if if you're playing it by yourself and you're like, I really like Borderlands. I wouldn't recommend it, but if you have like a couple friends who like have it and they want you to join with their party and stuff like that, and you happen to have extra fifty bucks in around, maybe. Okay. Nah. That's that's <laughs> probably my my best glowing um Your best glowing review. Yeah, yeah, for it. <laughs> was that not what good? Was, what was the Is it not good? Lazy but not boring. <laughs> I mean, it just it doesn't feel like they changed anything. It feels like yeah. It, it just it feels lazy. It does feel lazy. It feels yeah. like they really didn't put much effort into it. <laughs> they wanted to, you know, create a not Borderlands four, but like another entry into the Borderlands. I guess. Um, collection but yeah it just it feels like a dlc it really does hmm. yeah which is unfortunate it's it is unfortunate. yeah i mean they they did one called like dragon keep or something yeah. that yeah. I, I remember they, enjoying they did it was dlc yeah <laughs> and it was tiny tina basically running you through a DD game the thing was yeah. that dlc was so popular that they were like oh Let's let's make an actual game out of it, but yeah, but they did that. They didn't like, have they enough. Did. Yeah, they just play on the tropes of like role playing, and it's just like I've seen all these tropes. You know, it's just it's it's been played out, and it's old hat. Unfortunately, it's like I don't know. It I don't think it gets to that level of cringiness of like. Uh, like the Big Bang Theory, because I do feel like the Big Bang Theory is kind of cringy, but it just, it feels, it feels like they're making jokes that's yeah. like, I've heard all these D&D jokes before. Like, <laughs> they're like the low-hanging fruit ones. It's yeah. just like, yes, yes, basements. Ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. We like Mountain Dew? Ha, ha, ha. Funny funny <laughs> there's going to be one min maxer of course there is huh <laughs> so 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 yeah yeah i would recommend it if you have friends who play it i would not recommend it if you're just playing by yourself right yeah. okay all right unless maybe if it goes on sale <laughs> yeah i mean it sounds like a 20 dollar game to me like it, it doesn't really sound is. it's like not a 60 dollar game 60 dollar game yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, so speaking of, of uh, bad things, um, <laughs> so I, I uh, watched a documentary, it's actually on Netflix, called um, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you remember the movie about Andy Kaufman's life called Man on the Moon that Jim Carrey was yes. in? Yes. From way back? Yeah. yeah. So for anyone unfamiliar, Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman in a biopic in the 90s i think like 99 98 or 99 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what this movie is, is uh, it's a collection of behind the scenes footage that I think a lot of it was was shot by Andy Kaufman's real life girlfriend. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, he was a weird person. He he was he was very much um, surrealist humor. Um, you, you might call today he would I think he would probably be called an anti comic. Um, mm-hmm. I I like a lot of the things that Andy Kaufman does, but I I can't like you. <laughs> You kind of have to know afterwards that they were performances. Yeah, um, especially with like the... one of them was making himself laugh at the audience, and yeah. it didn't come out until afterwards. Oh, this is what he's doing, right? Yeah, yeah. So there like was a it, lot of like things with him, like wrestling women, which which was the jo- like the joke was that he was the heel in there but he was acting like he was the face and so that that was the joke Mm -hmm. um there was a whole thing of of jerry lawler uh breaking his neck which he never did um and them fighting on the let on letterman which letterman did not know that they were actually not fighting (laughs) um because kaufman threw coffee at jerry lawler Um, but anyway, so this documentary looks at Jim Carrey getting into character for, for Kaufman. Yes, because Jim Carrey is notably a um, method actor. Uh, he, yeah. Well, he... <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how much of it was a method versus him just wanting to be a prick. Um, well, like I kind of fall into the camp of Robert Pattinson's quote that's been circling around, like specifically towards Jared Leto is that people tend to say that they're method acting when what they're like, what they're doing is just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I forget the actual verbatim quote, but it's something along the lines of people only method act when they want to play an asshole. Like you don't ever see anyone method act, you know, the guy that feeds all the cats in your neighborhood. Like, you don't ever see anyone. I I don't know if Jim Carrey does method or not, or if he just wanted to act wild and crazy behind the scenes. Like Andy Kaufman would have. I think he's stated a couple of times that he is a method actor. Okay. Well, how how much of that is true, you know, or just him trying to bullshit to get away from being just wacky. Well, like, according to this documentary, um, so, like I said, a lot of this footage is shot behind the scenes by by um, Kaufman's girlfriend. Um, and apparently, it, it, like, they were wanting to use it for, like, DVD behind the scenes because mm. this is right at the start of, oh, well, what can we jam onto this disc to make people buy it since we're selling DVDs now? Yeah, so um, I did is, Google this, and um, Jim Carrey does state that he was method acting. He did a lot of method acting to get into the role of um, ah. Man on the Moon. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. well, so so apparently they stopped all of this footage coming out because Universal Pictures um, did not want people to think that he was an asshole. Uh, mm. um, like, he would do things like... He wouldn't want to interact with anyone um before he had been made up 
as Kaufman. And so he would do things like walk around with a paper bag on his head, which is fine and funny. Yeah. Except there's lots of footage of him um, driving a golf cart on a set yeah. where people are putting things together. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not funny. You, you yeah. can run into someone and have an accident. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like it, it makes me reevaluate that, that movie and how much I think that Jim Carrey's uh, a good and funny guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey's always been on the fence as kind of a yeah, a weird like. Well, like in in again, like the Pattinson quote said is like. People only method act when they want to be an asshole. And yeah. my understanding, having having read a, a fair amount about Andy Kaufman, is that like, yeah, if he if you were if you were involved in one of the things that he was doing as like a performance act, yeah, he was kind of a dick. But like outside of that, he was he wasn't really an asshole. Fairly <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, like it, like he was kind of a hippie. Um, mm. You know, mm. he wasn't like just this this raging asshole behind the scenes of, of a camera. So I I don't know what Jim Carrey was doing acting like that to get into character. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and then he like basically the the whole thrust of the documentary is him while he was doing all this, he got so committed to the role that he had difficulty um, separating himself from that role. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he had, he had trouble turning it off basically. Um, And like, so that like there are scenes where he's interacting with Andy Kaufman's parents and he's in character as Andy Kaufman. And it's like, man, why would you do that? Like, like, why would you do that to them? Like, why would you act like purposely act like their son? Because maybe he had trouble doing it. I, I, I am not an actor, so I don't know why you would be unable to turn it off. Yeah. Uh, Acting in a role. Like why, why would you purposely make someone who lost their son feel like they're in the room with their son again? (laughs) 20 years after he's dead like i don't know i got some issues with it it's an interesting watch um it's interesting to see the behind the scenes footage and it kind Mm. of re like reframes how like i don't know if he still does this or not um i my hope my hope would be that he doesn't because like his behavior in this documentary is pretty atrocious like i can see why universal pictures would have been like no 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 we're we're not putting any of this out Uh, (laughs) this will make people not go see this movie that already people didn't see because in 1999 who who knew who andy kaufman was yeah everybody was like who like yeah Mm. um so yeah that that was one of the things i did nice um so I guess the last thing that I did is, so I recently, I guess, played games with friends um, just because it is the holidays, which is nice and everything along those lines. But um, I recently played a, I, 
I, I guess it's a board game. It's not a cooperative board game. I guess it's a game where you're kind of competing against everyone else. It's called um, Villainous. It's uh, the Disney Villainous game, where you basically choose a popular Disney villain, and you have a particular world track that you can move yourself on, and each of you have individual goals that you try to meet, depending on your particular villain, and the other players can kind of mess with you via a fate deck, sending heroes. Huh. Yeah, it's actually kind of fun. It's it's a different experience because each villain plays differently. Um, like. I recently played as Captain Hook, so um, when my goals was to try to find Peter Pan, try to find his hideout in the Lost Woods, and then bring him over to the Jolly Roger, where I could defeat him in Epic Battle. Huh. Yeah, and then there's other characters like um, King John from the Robin Hood uh, animation. Yeah. Their, their goal is basically to accumulate wealth or power, where they're basically trying to uh, gain money through taxation or try to gain money through um, defeating particular heroes and stuff like that. So that's kind of interesting. And another uh, character was playing... Magnificence? Mag Maleficent? Yeah, yeah, from um, Sleeping Beauty, where she was trying to corrupt all of her realm with curses. Mm. And then the last person who was playing us, or playing with us, played Jafar, where they had to hypnotize the genie, bring the genie to the um, Cave of Wonders, and put the genie into the land. And then bring the lamp to um, the, the palace. So it was kind of fun. It was it was fun. Um, it's interesting because you are kind of like playing a solo-ish game where you have your own goals and you have your own board that you're trying to manipulate. And then occasionally your opponents or your rival villains will kind of fuck with your plans depending on the fate uh, deck. But they don't have too much, I guess, control over the fate deck, so you can't really plan too much for that. But nonetheless, it's fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's, um, it's definitely a quicker game. It only took us about an hour to play the game so so yeah it, it's been a game that's always been on my radar i've um always been kind of interested in playing it so i was happy to get the opportunity today to uh give it a go nice yeah um it is something i would recommend i i think it's it's fun enough where if you enjoy you know, playing board games and stuff like that, I think you would have a good time. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, 
it's uh, actually a Prospero Hall game, it looks like. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Disney took the proper time and um, steps to make it a like a decent game. Yeah, well, I mean, there's numerous expansions to it as there well. There are, there yeah. are. There's quite a few, um, uh, I guess, villains that you can add to that deck. There's like, um, I forget a couple of them, but like Pete, the Queen of Hearts, um, other Disney villains. I'm blanking on Disney villains. <laughs> Jafar. Hades, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jafar. Was I'm assuming there's Thanos in there somewhere. I don't think Thanos is there. Not yet. Soon, though. Not uh, yet. Let's see. Um, Frankenfurter. So it looks. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, <laughs> they've got Scar, Yzma, oh, Radigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Scar from Lion King, Yzma mm -hmm. from Emperor's. Groove Radigan from Great Mouse Detective. Uh, Emperor's New Groove. That's an underrated um, movie. There's, let's see. There's also the Evil Queen from Snow White, which, wow, mm -hmm. I didn't know that he had no name. I thought her, she had a name, but it's apparently just Evil Queen. Just evil Queen. Hades evil. from Hercules yep. and Dr. Facilier from The Princess and the Frog, which I've never seen because I was. Out, uh, I was out of the age range for anime. Oh, okay. Um, and then let's see. There's Cruella yeah. Deville from 101 Dimensions. Uh, classic. Mother Gothel from Tangled, and Pete from Steamboat Willie. Yeah, I thought it was Pete, the Pete from um, uh, a Goofy movie. Yeah, I mean that's the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the core game has Maleficent, Ursula, um, Captain Hook, yeah, um, Prince Julian, Queen of Hearts, and Jafar. I mean, like. it, was, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to try yeah. those out before, so it's, it's good to know that, that they're actually fun and worthwhile. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I would recommend it. I definitely would. Cool. Um, well, yeah, so I uh, watched a, another documentary, um, mm -hmm. this one called The Witch of King's Cross. Um, it's about a uh, an artist um, and an occultist um, named Rosalind Norton. Um, she mm. died in the late 70s. So um, she's a lot of her work was from like the 30s onward. Um uh -huh. She's really interesting. If you if you Google some of her art, uh, a lot of it is very like pagan and neo pagan. Um, you can see why a lot of it was banned. Um, there's, you know, she was a practitioner of sex magic, which was also kind of like a oh women can't do that type thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really interesting if if uh, if you like learning about um, firebrand and uh, well, not firebrands, but people who kind of operate on a different wavelength of the society around them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's a very interesting person. Um, 
I I want to say towards the end of her life, she transitioned away from sex magic and was more like a follower of Pan, so more like a neo pagan type. Okay. Type witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I wish that there was an easy way to acquire like a collection, like a collected art book of hers. But like, I think her most recent one was published like in the fifties. And so they're, they're really, it's really difficult to come across. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there's exhibits of her work. Uh, Well, actually no. So it looks like in 2009, there was a book that was, uh, like poetry and journals and stuff like that from her. Um, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So 1982 was the last time any of her work was collected and put out as like a, like a hardcover, like book of her art. Um, but yeah, it was fascinating. It's uh, it's on Amazon prime. I mm-hmm. recommend that. One. Um, and, and you said that was your last thing, right? Yeah, that was that was it for me. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm going to speed through these last two. Um, <laughs> you don't have to speed through them. Uh, well, so I I watched uh, The Giver. Have, have, did you watch that movie when it came out? No, but I I've seen the or not seen. I've read the book. Yeah. So the book yeah. growing up, the book was like I think we read it in like second grade. Yeah, right? I think it was a required um, read, basically. Yeah, and it it um it was like the reason why I like dystopian sci-fi now. Like <laughs> it's um when was when did Lois Lowry write that? Because like it, you know the the version that I had Okay, yeah, no, that would have been about right. Yeah, 1993 um is when it came out and mm-hmm. oh shit. There's a quartet. I've never oh. read these other books. Um, basically, yeah, it, it's, um, it describes a future society, um, and it's very hand-wavy, right? It's, it's, for anyone who's, who has never read it, it's very hand-wavy and loosey-goosey with the science. Basically, people, um, have created, like, town square villages, right? Where they've, they, they can control the weather, and, um, you know, I've always envisioned them as kind of being dome cities, um, they, they're never explicitly references that in the books, but like everyone gets a bicycle at a certain birthday. And when everyone yeah. turns 16, they start train trading or train trade uh, training for their, the role that the society sees that they, them. Yeah. yeah. And one boy, like it, it follows um, a boy who he skipped in their naming ceremony and he is he is given uh privately the role of giver mm-hmm. and or well no he's not given a title actually the the so he is given the 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 title of receiver of memory and the the current receiver of memory who is an older man um calls him self the giver because he's saying well no you're you're technically the receiver of memory like you're in this is a high enough position that there's only one named and it's it's you know for life (laughs) um yeah you you get you're on the elders council and the reason you're on the elders council is um most people day-to-day lives just live a happy-go-lucky life but 
the receiver of memory is the person who holds all of the um like they're used as an advisor because they understand what it means to go to war for example even though they've never gone to war themselves they have the memories of that and they're they're able to, to hold these um so the story is kind of like it's it's in that same genre as like young adult dystopian that like hunger games is in but it's very different like the um one of the things in in the um book itself that i think is funny is that like basically the community has all these rules right of like you can't lie and you have to take medicines that suppress your your emotions and all that stuff and like when he meets with with the uh, the giver for the first time he's just like yeah those those rules do not apply to you like you can lie to whoever you want you can like you can ask uncomfortable questions of people and they have to give you an answer like like you can just ignore those rules you don't have to take medicine if you don't want anymore like it's actually i actually know i think he tells him specifically you cannot take your medicine yeah because i mean being able to experience these things mm-hmm. um and so this kid figures out how society actually works and he he breaks away from it right yeah um just like you would expect in a dystopian young adult novel um is you know finding the the dark truth and then the kid is is the one that that remedies it um the movie honestly i don't know why it didn't do better like it looks granted it came out in 2014 so the sci-fi looks a little bit or the cg looks a little bit dated Um, considering that it was a 25 million dollar movie though um, yeah fantastic and so the box office was 67 million which i remember they had ads plastered up everywhere for this movie that that did not make any money back (laughs) oh no it, there, there's no way their marketing budget had to be way higher than that um mm-hmm. but yeah i i don't know why it didn't do better because the the director you know he's an experienced director it had jeff bridges in there as the giver it had meryl streep oh yeah those are some big names taylor swift plays the previous um receiver mm. yeah um because yeah like one which is actually interesting it's like she's not in really in like she has like two or three lines because she's played back in a memory where um he wants to know like why what happened why why did why will no one tell me what happened to the last person who had this position because he's been the he's been the receiver of memory for decades longer than he should have been Mm -hmm. um and yeah the the last receiver was his own daughter played by taylor swift and it's very sad because the way the society is set up is once you reach a certain age you're put down like a dog they use for it i forget what it is but it's like the house of leaving or something like that and everyone's just like oh yeah this is where they go off to the farm and it's like no no they they die um but but you don't want to be there and you're an adult you can just go and so she he had to give her the memory of something um i forget what he gives her the memory of it's something something enough that she goes to that the like the house of retirement and like 
has them euthanize her basically and so all of the memories that she had taken in just get distributed amongst the community um which you know is a problem if no one is feeling anything and is chemically rendered inert um but yeah like there's there's a whole thing in there about like eugenics because they're all the babies are cloned um Mm -hmm. the family units are set up so that you know there's a father and a mother and two kids exactly um yeah it's just it's a it's a wild book for them to yeah to to adapt and also i feel like there's more material in there for it to be a longer movie but it's i'm looking at the runtime it's only an hour and a half um it's really short it's good i recommend it um just because i like the book so much um Mm -hmm it's uh yeah it's fantastic uh go go watch this movie i think it's on Good netflix little... oh i mean that's easy yeah um i mean i i got it from the library which again go to your library yeah um, the library. and then the last thing that i'll talk about um because i know we normally don't go this long is um oh yeah Ooh. you and i and my wife my wife played my wife. The, the uh I, I had gotten her a uh copy of the choose your own adventure board game house of danger uh, a yeah. while back i feel like it was more of a card game um i mean there's yeah, a board, board game, game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, mean, I would call it i would call it a board game the cards are really just so yeah basically the the way it works is house of danger is an adaptation of I looked it up, and the original book came out in 1982. So I was Ooh, not very wow. far off, yeah. and I was reading about like it's the year 1981. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's very fun. It uh, the cards all have are set up like the the old chapters of a book, where you know there's five chapters to the game, basically. Um, and the way we did it is we just traded off who's the reader in a, in a clockwise direction. Yeah, which was and, a lot of fun. I mean, because it engaged all of us. Which, yeah, and so so like you you get to a stopping point where it's like, okay, you make this decision or this decision, and then you have to go to this card to continue the story. Which is an interesting way to do it. I think you or my wife maybe last night had said, like, I want to see what the script for this game looks like because I don't know how yeah, to Yeah, or like a flow sheet. Yeah, like, like the flow it all out. Because there's a lot of like um times when it was like, oh, if you have X, then do this. Or if you have clue five, do this. Um, so there was a lot of variation. I think at the very end you said that there was like seven endings or something along those lines. Um which I was five or six different endings. Yeah. Yeah. I was extremely surprised. Like the, yeah, it's real fun. I mean, you could, you could theoretically play this by yourself, I think, but yeah, um, yeah, like your character is, is uh, a, an aspiring psychic investigator. And so you, you're managing your, your psychic level and you get that by exploring more and unlocking clues. And it's real fun. I'm an aspiring detective. And a um, a psychic, yeah, or, yeah, yeah there's was... a psychic investigator. Yeah. Um, but they're they're um, 
yeah no the the game is super fun like i i want to see how we could have gotten to a different ending like yeah I'll that i mean that replayability like, is there like you yeah. know replayability is definitely um there with all the multiple endings and yeah it definitely makes me want to play this game again yeah yeah i um i, I really enjoyed it my wife had a good time with it so i think we're gonna look into doing a sequel at some point once we've exhausted this one because nice. there's, there's a lot of like you pick up items along the way um i was joking that um you know our character is an alcoholic who's just wandering through this mansion with a saber he stole from a statue and a pocket knife and just stealing shit <laughs> and a um what like a gas gun plus a bunch of other things. Yeah, a bunch of other things that we sh we stole. I'm not going to spoil anything because it does not oh, yeah. end up where you think it does. <laughs> yeah, I was um very surprised. I I was even though this thing came out in '82, I'm sure that this is the original ending because it seems like a 1982s ending to it. Ending, yeah. Stories, <laughs> but um, wow, I did not expect the ending yeah. to this game. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither did um, I. So yeah, go out and play that. Play the sequel. Um, yeah, uh, I guess the book club book is Eyes of the Dragon. Ooh, yes. yeah, nice. Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King. So we will discuss that at some point. Um, we'll one day. Uh, one day. One day. We'll, we will get there. One day. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Um, but for now, um, yeah, that's, that's uh, me and Stuart. Um, yep. As us. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. All right, everyone. Be safe. Bye. Bye.